Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On behalf of Pastors David and Nicole Binion, thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church. Now, let's listen to today's message. I want to read from Psalms 84, verses 1 through 10. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. The title of my sermon today is Discover the Influence of a Doorkeeper. There was a young man who interviewed six elderly prayer veterans from the New Hebrides Revival. You've heard me talk about the Hebrides Revival. He talked, this young man with a cassette recorder, talked to six very old men that were a part of that revival. He said, one of them looked at me with fire in his ancient eyes. And he said in a broken brogue, if you ever find him, never, 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 never let him go. their experiences and insights that they shared with this young interviewer are recorded on an audio tape and I have a friend who has the tape. Those words are daunting. I can't get over them. If you ever find him, never, 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 What do these words mean? They mean if you manage to get the door of heaven propped open, don't 
ever let it close again. Otherwise, you might be left at a useless door of the past, guarding only the fragrance of what used to be. You find yourself running through the streets like Solomon's bride. Have you seen him? His head and his hair are white like wool. Desperate people, desperate pursuers of God are being graced in this day to catch him. In divine visitation, more and more than ever. We hear reports of people stumbling in on their knees, as it were, to the doors or the gate of heaven between the gate between earth and heaven. The same thing happened to Jacob. He went to sleep too close to a gate. He awoke with a clear vision of an open heaven before him and it marked the beginning of a permanent change in his life. When we find ourselves in places of divine visitation, it's almost like a scene in time has opened up before us. When eternity himself enters into our little playhouse, everything of earthly importance just seems to fade away. Why? Because God is in the house. Eternity has visited our little time-bound world and his glory begins to fill a cramped up little room that we call Dwell Church, right? In those moments, we have come close to the gate. When Jacob stumbled across the gate of heaven, it's in Genesis, the 28th chapter, he set up stones to mark the place and said, I don't ever want to forget this. But if you're not careful, we will use markers from this realm that don't adequately match the markers of that realm. Most people try to mark the location of their spiritual experience with temporary markers. They'll say to the worship leader, sing that song that you did three weeks ago, three weeks ago because I had an encounter with God when you sang that song and because they think there was something on the song. They should have marked the position and the hunger of their heart not the song. Jacob set up stones to mark his nighttime encounter with God. Many years later, when the Israelites 
finally crossed the Jordan River into the promised land, they marked their crossing with stones. Since the riverbed was dry where they crossed, they picked up stones from the middle of the river, set them up on the shore. Those stones made good markers because stones from a riverbed have been worn smooth by the action of the water. While stones that are not from the river are rough and jagged. Every time their children passed by that pile of smooth stones, it was clear to them that those stones were out of place. They marked, those stones marked a split, a split seam of eternity in the veil of time. When they said, those rocks don't belong here, their parents would say, you're right. Those rocks are from the time of his visitation. Those markers reminded generation after generation of Israelites about the day the river parted between the open heavens. Presence people. We started when, babe? In July, talking about presence people. And we'll continue until we feel the release. We're, we're, we are a people of his presence. But we need a different kind of marker to mark the places where the heavens have opened. What can we use? A favorite revival list of songs? Maybe just the right wardrobe? None of these will work. Speaking of wardrobe, I'm wearing a pair of shoes today. It's the first time I've ever worn them. But they've been in our house for how many years? Five years. We bought them for Cole for a wedding, and he wore them once. Then I found them in a closet. And I'm like, what? These are they're Cole Hans. What, what is with? So I'm wearing them today. But these shoes do nothing. In fact, I would probably be instructed to take the shoes off in the holy place. We have to find the right kind of markers. Um, we need to turn to the word of God and take a page out of David's intimate journey with God. David said, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. I would rather be a doorkeeper. Why did he say that? David, you're a king. That's the real position of influence. 
why would you want to be a doorkeeper? David was saying something. He was saying, no, I've learned something. A doorkeeper at the right door has more influence in the world than a king on his throne. A doorkeeper in the house of God is a doorkeeper at the gate of heaven. If you can just find that opening in heaven. I love the song. Someone asked me last week, what is the favorite song that you have written? What is your favorite song that you have written? And uh, it's the song, uh, I think, did we do it this last Sunday? Surely the Lord is here. Here in this place, here in this place is from this story of Jacob. Surely the Lord is here, here in this place as we worship. And I like the bridge. I have found the gate of heaven. I can see an open door. I can hear the Father calling, come. The atmosphere is breaking open, young and old. Maybe we should say, young and old, rich and poor. Everyone will see the face of God. The glory of God is held up. It's pent up in heaven like floodwaters behind a dam. And God has openly declared his intention to flood the whole earth with the knowledge of his glory. But most of the time, we don't know where the door is or how to go through the door once we stumble across it. Our solution to the problem is to forget the best, the glory of God. Instead of waiting patiently upon the Lord, we present the good, the anointing, which is wonderful. This happens when we say, God is here. Implying his glory has come when it really hasn't. We just, I, 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 I call it Samson religion. Samson knew the presence of God. He, he was anointed and then he laid his head in the lap of this Philistine woman and got close to a truth. But then she would say, the Philistines are upon you and he'd jump up and shake himself, right? And he would feel the presence of the Lord and he would rip the Philistine men to shreds. <laughs> and then again, he would lay his head in her lap and she would lure him and, and manipulate him. And he would jump up again when she would say, the Philistines, he would shake himself. I think we do that at church. I think we, 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 we know the language of the kingdom. We know the language of worship. We know all of these things. And, and sometimes we shake ourselves. And because then we feel his presence. We're like, okay, he's still here. He's still here. And somehow the shaking, <laughs> Pentecostals are good at shaking. <laughs> but if we play too long in the lap of the wrong person, 
we'll get up and shake ourselves in his presence. We'll have gone. I know two pastors specifically that knew outpouring where there was an incredible move of God hit a church and would last for weeks, maybe months. And they, on purpose, shut it down. Decided it's time to move on to something else. Because they didn't really know how to pastor revival. Or they were embarrassed by all the crazy people that show up for revival. Because they do. Good ones and bad ones. Good crazy and bad crazy. I just say, let the crazies come. I strayed from my notes long enough for it to turn off on me. I'm back now. Paul told us, for now we see through a glass darkly. (laughs) That really could be our theme scripture. As we pursue and look and we're not fully seeing the promise that we're believing for. We've busied ourselves. First of all, we've made a way of life out of second best. We're comfortable with the shaking and the anointing. We bring people one by one to look through the peephole of his anointing just to let them know there's something on the other side. And then we frustrate them when we don't have the key to open up the door. We busied ourselves teaching people how to be satisfied with someone laying hands on them. And we never told them that God's anointing on flesh is at best a cheap substitute for the manifest presence of God himself coming down among them. If God shows up, you won't need anybody touching you. I say seek the anointer, not the anointed or even the anointing. There is a vast difference between my hands on your head and his finger on your heart. The thing God promised is going to happen and a flood of God's glory is going to come. It's going to start somewhere with someone, but where? Who will find the ancient keys in the hands of God? The same ones God told Peter. He said, here are the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you open on earth will be opened in heaven. Who will hear the knock at the other side and slip the ancient key into the door that opens up the gate of heaven? Wherever it happens, whoever opens that door, the result will be an unstoppable, immeasurable 
flood of the glory of God. If the glory of God is going to cover the earth, it has to start somewhere. Why not here? Why not you? Why not now? There are kingdom keys lying around. Somebody has to find them and open up and prop open the door. I remember, I remember this concept. Uh, Nicole and I had experienced for the first time uh, when the glory hit us and took us out for hours. I remember going to a conference shortly after that, and and uh, uh, it was like we're at this. All of these people are singing, and because of the magnitude of the presence of God that we had just encountered. We're now listening to about a half a dozen worship musical people, but it just looked like a parade of flesh. Looked like a lot of Samsons up there shaking themselves, but there was nothing happening when they shook. And it was like, we almost felt like, God, if we can just get out of here, I don't, I don't want to be here. I don't want this anymore. And there was this one moment they started singing a song that kind of shifted the atmosphere. And when it shifted, the pastor turned to us and, and motioned for us to come to the stage. He didn't introduce us. He just motioned for us to come. And so we stepped into that window, that door, and Nicole just started singing just this free flow worship, singing the name of Jesus. And, and I tried to find some place on this little wave that she was making. And, but when we started, the glory of God hit that room. There's a couple of maybe 2,500 people there. I, I, I witnessed this divine chaos. It's like people were on the floor. They were, they, they were just this roar of, of, of broken worship. And, and there were other people supposed to sing after us and we're only supposed to get up and do two songs and we've been doing this flow for 30 minutes. But, but uh, so we're, we're about 10 minutes into it and I turned to the pastor and I'm like, okay, I don't know what else to do. I mean, because this is where we have to respect the schedule and the guest speaker and all of that. And he just was sitting back there and looked at me and I don't know what to do. And so I found myself just holding open the door and allowing the glory of God to permeate that room. It's, it's the only picture I can explain what I'm talking to you about, that we will have moments in our walk with God when the window opens and we can want to hurry through or we can hold open the door and say, Come! I have more notes, but that's the message. Who will stand in the gap and hold open their arms in a posture of worship? Hold open the door as the glory of God, the fragrance of his presence begins to pick up and we're like, it's him. It's him. Have you seen him? But we want more than the fragrance. Yes. 
We want the breeze of God to begin to pick up and blow into our room and transform all of us. And, and I don't know if it's going to last for three months or for three years. I don't care. I just want him. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God because I just want to get close to the place of access. I don't care about winning awards for writing great songs. I don't care about the accolades of what can happen in my life. I want to be close to the door of access. I would rather be a doorkeeper. God never intended for us to sing our favorite hymns or our favorite worship songs and mark our divine encounters to hold open the gates. A sermon won't do it, nor will a sparkling personality. Neither will a powerful healing ministry. God has a better idea, a better way. Prop open the gate with your own life. Jesus. When we open the windows of heaven through our worship, we need to post a guard, a doorkeeper, inside the dimension of God with our worship to hold open the windows of heaven. In David's day, the Levitical worshipers surrounded the Ark of the Covenant with continuous worship day and night. They enjoyed the benefits of an open heaven for 36 years. It was just a tent. David brought the ark from Obed-Edom's house. I'm glad I got to Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom was the man who housed the ark when Uzzah, they were having Uzzah friendly. Service trying to bring the ark with an Uzzah friendly service. And Oza was struck down. And so they took the ark and placed it in a barn at Obed-Edom's house. It stayed at his property, at his farm for three months. And the presence of the presence made such an impact on his property that Obed-Edom became a rich man in three months because the crops grew, the grass became greener, the dogs quit biting people. And it was so, it was so powerful that the word got all the way to David. Have you heard about Obed-Edom's house? And David said, I knew it. I knew it. If he can experience the blessing locally at someone's individual house, what might happen if we can get the ark to the nation? 
to bring uh, 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 the blessing of God to a nation. So he goes and knocks on the door. This is King David. Obed, it's King David. I've come for the ark. King David, you're, you're coming for the ark? Yes, it's, I know, I know. I, I, it looks great around here, by the way. This, this is beautiful. Uh, he said, I have, have a prepared a place for it. He said, give me one second. Honey, go get the kids. Pack everything up. What, 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 what are you doing? Wherever the ark goes, that's where I'm going. This man became the richest in his life. And he said, I just want to be where the ark is. In Second Chronicles, in the 15th chapter, in the 16th chapter, Obed-Edom's name is mentioned six times as the doorkeeper. Obed-Edom became the doorkeeper. And then, and then David watches sometime, you know, one night in the dark, he's looking out because they've got 24-hour worship over, over where the tent is. And he can see it in the distance. He watches the worshipers. And he can see the glow of the flame of God's glory at the ark. And he said, I would rather be close to the door. I just want access. Being a king means nothing to me. I want to be close to the door. There's a place in our life and God has been drawing us and taking us to. We have been experiencing the presence of God at a greater measure than we have in the whole four years of our existence. Some of you are new and you don't know it. You're just coming in as God begins this new outpour. And we're experiencing him in such a way. And we must recognize that he's near. And we have to get ourselves positioned to be doorkeepers. In the city of Allen, in the, in the whole region of Dallas, we're here to hold open the doors and allow others to come in. I refuse to build the church man's way. I don't want to get billboards and put them up all over town showing our face and saying, come to a presence place. I want to build this church God's way. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Who will stand in the gap? This is the invitation. Who will step up into your place and say, I will be a doorkeeper. I'll do whatever it takes to keep the doors open. I'll do whatever it takes to make it happen. I will, I'll help clean the toilets. I'll help vacuum just to have a place ready for the people in this area, in this region. People that come from afar to come because they hear a rumor that God is in the house. Who will be the doorkeeper in the house of God?
Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. When you become a doorkeeper and hold open the doors, you get to experience the rush of his presence when he comes in. Who will stand with me? Not just, uh, I'm trying to paint the picture right. I want people to understand that we can all be a part of. This is not just for the lofty people. This is not just for those with special talent. This takes a heart that is postured to worship. You don't have to be able to sing. You just have to have a heart that loves and worships God. Then, and you'll be able to be the one that can stand in the place and hold open the door. Where are the doorkeepers? God knows we need doorkeepers more than we need kings and presidents. We need people that know how to access his presence and open the door for the glory of God. Lift up your heads, David said. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors. He was talking about us. We become the door. We become the doorway for the glory of God to come. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, be lifted up, ye everlasting doors. When David wrote this, I'm not sure that he fully understood understood prophetically what he was saying. We understand as we look at Scripture, there are layers and layers and layers of understanding and revelation. But I don't think David saw our day when, when, when he was declaring this about a people. that And the invitation would come to lift up, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and the King will come in. Thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church.